At a time like this, it's easy to see why local news is so important and why that news should be free for everyone who needs it to be. Your support of KCUR makes this essential reporting possible. If you can, please donate. KCUR.org slash give. And thanks. Good morning and welcome to up-to-date special coverage, Coronavirus in Kansas City. I'm Steve Kraske. Today, a look at the threat that the new coronavirus is posing for prison inmates in Kansas and Missouri. Later this hour, we'll look at some how some Kansas City area residents are getting their exercise in during a pandemic, and we'll check in on area college students who are facing a world they never expected. First, though, just how many Missourians are not under a stay-at-home order during this pandemic? KCUR's Aviva Okuson Haberman tracked down the answer, and maintaining good social distancing, she joins me on the phone. Aviva, nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning. So just how many people in Missouri aren't under a stay-at-home order, Aviva? So roughly 1.8 million Missourians. Um, I should note most Missourians are under a stay-at-home order, about 70%, and that's because the big cities like, you know, Kansas City, Springfield, St. Louis, Columbia have all um, issued stay-at-home orders. So 1.8 million are not, though, you're saying? Yes, 1.8 million are not. So what's the effect of not issuing a, a, a statewide stay-at-home order? What do, you, what do you see there? Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of counties and cities um, making these decisions. Um, and while most Missourians are under stay-at-home orders, most counties have not actually issued these stay-at-home orders. So you're seeing, you know, while some rural counties have, um, there are a fair number that haven't, um, particularly kind of in the northeast and southeast part of the state. And, you know, the concern from medical groups like the Missouri State Medical Association is that this kind of has a patchwork, you know, response. Um, The Missouri State Medical Association has called on the governor to enact a statewide shelter-in-place requirement. And, you know, their concern is that um, not having a statewide requirement wastes health care resources. So what reasoning has Governor Mike Parson given for not issuing a statewide order here, Aviva? I mean, he's under terrific pressure from officials in his own administration, from editorial boards around the state. What are you, what are you seeing there? Yeah, pretty much um, every day during his daily kind of virtual press briefings, he's asked about, you know, why he hasn't issued a statewide order. And there are a few different things he's said. Um, you know, he said he's concerned that this would shut down businesses and result in job losses. Um, he said, you know, local counties are really best equipped to make the decision for what's going on in their county based on the number of confirmed cases. Um, and he's also said, you know, because there are differences in, in urban and rural areas, it, it doesn't make sense for a statewide blanket order. Hmm. So what do you think is going to happen next year? The person said yesterday that um, part of the issue is just figuring out, you know, what are essential businesses because, you know, during a, a statewide shelter-in-place order, you know, only essential businesses are allowed to continue. And he said part of the issue is figuring out um, essential businesses, you know, whether it be urban or rural areas, but the state is working to figure out a solution and he will announce more information today. So I'm looking to see what that information that he announces is. Okay, that's KCUR's Aviva Okuson Haberman. Always appreciate it, Aviva. Stay safe. Thank you.
During a global pandemic like this one uh, involving COVID-19, prisons are regarded as ticking time bombs for good reason. With inmates often packed into tiny cells that are often poorly ventilated, inmates can't socially distance, meaning that the the prospects that the disease will spread uh, rapidly are pretty great. It's already happening. In Lansing on the Kansas side, three staff members at the prison there have tested positive for COVID-19. In Missouri, the Department of Corrections knows about one inmate uh, who was being held in St. Joseph who was tested positive. Officials have released some inmates, but others are concerned that the releases aren't happening fast enough. Joining us now is Tricia Bushnell. She's one of four advocates who just wrote Governor Laura Kelly, demanding that she release inmates as the impact of the pandemic grows. She's director of the Midwest Innocence Project, which works to free innocent people convicted of crimes they didn't commit. Tricia, Welcome back. Nice to have you. Thank you. Good morning. How are you? Do you believe that our prisons are ticking time bombs? Absolutely. And I think we know that. We can look just at what we can see in New York. Um, Rikers Island, which is the jail there, right, uh, has a 4% infection rate, which is over eight times what it is in New York, which is about a half a percent. Um, It's not a matter of if but when, right? Folks have to come in and out and the conditions that they're living in have been described by medical professionals as petri dishes. Um, hmm. You know, we have to. We can just listen to the professionals and know we have to act. Maybe it's obvious, but why are jails so problematic during a, pa- a pandemic like this? So you mentioned some of it in the beginning, but it, it's the lack of ability to social distance, right? So if you look at both jails and prisons, um, we have overcrowding. We have multiple people in a cell. If you're in a high security, you're two to a cell. If you're in a lower security facility, you're looking at people who are bunk bunked up together, right, mass uh, rooms with large bunk beds all down that. They don't have access um, in many institutions to hand sanitizer, for example, um, and they don't have access to soap. As far as we know in Missouri, they're only being given their regular provisions of uh, two bars of soap a week. So if you think about how much more soap you're going through every day, if you think about the ventilation systems that you're using, the ability to go outside, I mean, this is a cruise ship worse, right? Mm, Yeah. Uh, Tricia, do you know today how many inmates and guards have contracted the coronavirus on both sides of the state line? I don't know that full number. I think, you know, we're all trying to to figure that out um, in total. Part of what we're asking for is transparency, not only just in the numbers of of who's who's been infected or not, but also what is the plan for Mm -hmm. folks. Um, Certainly, we're, we're calling on individuals to be released. There's a number of folks who are um, at low risk or already have an outdate, right? What's the purpose in keeping an individual who already have an outdate or people who um, are, are, are elder and infirm? Um, I mean, we talk about cruise ships. We talk about nursing homes. Prisons are exactly that. Our prison population is aging around the country, partly as a result of um, the sentencing laws that we instituted in the 90s. And who's providing that care for them? Right. right? You're looking at facilities that have one doctor, uh, and that all of these individuals are going to go to the hospital that we use as well. So the, the impact of that is going to affect all of us if we do not get people to a place where they can safely socially distance. I was going to say another problem you point to is that a lot of times these jails are located in small towns that have small hospitals. And your point is those hospitals could easily be overrun if there's an outbreak in the nearby prison. How big a worry is that? I think all of these things are absolutely critical concerns for us. Um, and, you know, obviously those of us who are signing this are folks who work with incarcerated people all the time. But even if incarcerated people aren't a concern, 
for you, how, how your hospital is run and your medical facility and the care that other people can access probably is. Hmm. And if people aren't infected in jails and prisons, that infection rate, as we've seen from Rikers, is so high so quickly that so many people will get sick, they will overrun a hospital um, once it gets inside. I'm wondering, uh, you wrote the governor, Governor Kelly in Kansas. Have you heard back from her or her staff? We have heard that they are thinking about it and looking into it. We have not heard any response. You know, inmates in Sedgwick County have been released. I think maybe about 200 have been let go since mid-March. So some folks are responding, but your point is you want a statewide order here as opposed to individual uh, jails uh, responding? Yes, absolutely. So we signed that letter to Governor Kelly. We had also signed a letter to the Missouri Supreme Court um, asking for these broad implements because the reality is um, it's not just one locality. It's going to impact every jail or prison across the state. If you look across the country, we're seeing very different responses, piecemeal responses. Um, places like Utah are releasing folks. Iowa, for example, Governor Kelly is working to release 700 inmates who already have outdates. Um, so, so people are looking at it. But just like we're seeing in our state and localities, we need leadership to drive that conversation and drive that reaction. Um, otherwise, especially for folks who are incarcerated, they're a vulnerable population that will just get pushed to the wayside. You know, but to be blunt about this, releasing inmates from a political standpoint, and you know this, Tricia, is a pretty risky <laughs> act for a big-time politician. There's a long history in this country of governors uh, pardoning somebody only to have it come back and bite them if the inmate goes out and then c- commits a crime. Um, that's the concern here for a lot of these politicians, right? I think it is. Um, I think we can talk about, though, what is being asked of folks. It's not as simply as something saying, just let everybody out, right? The categories that we're asking for are um, individuals who already have outdates, right, who are going to be released. Um, So we've already made the determination that they should come home. So what's the point in keeping them any longer? Individuals who um, are over a certain age and particularly vulnerable uh, health, those are individuals who also are not high-risk repeat offenders, Mm -hmm. people who have been convicted of... Uh, you know, misdemeanors or are on a technical violation, there's no reason to keep that. And I think what we've seen around the country is that's why um, reform prosecutors have been elected. Even before today, individuals have been challenging, I think society has been challenging how we incarcerate people, whether or not it's necessary, and we can safely decarcerate these. Um, if anything, you know, the coronavirus is really highlighting the, the flaws in the system that we were already looking at. Um, so I, I think it's easy to hide behind saying it's politically risky, but I think the other thing to remember is one out of every two Americans has a family, an immediate family member who's incarcerated. Right. So if anything, we're going to have to talk about what it means for our voters and our citizens that their loved ones are incarcerated during this time. Trisha, just quickly, I want to get to one final point here. I see that in Missouri, at least, that the public defender's office is calling for some inmates to be released. I'm wondering about prosecutors in the two states. Are they objecting? Is that a holdup here? Um, so on the Prosecutors Association in Missouri, in response to the letter that we sent to the Missouri Supreme Court, they said that all that was required was for folks to look at the earlier um, the recommendations from the Missouri Supreme Court about parole eligibility. I mean, <laughs> they're certainly not supporting it as far as I can see. Uh, I can tell you also in Iowa where we cover where the prosecutors supposedly had a plan um, to release folks with the other um, other actors, we have found social media posts from prosecutors saying that they're just sitting there 
uh, trying to object to any release or bail motion that a defense attorney is, is applying. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a shift we need to make here is that this is not a win or lose game. This is a public health crisis. Right. Uh, and we need to be acting accordingly. That's Trisha Bushnell. She's director of the Midwest, uh, Midwest Innocence Project. Always appreciate your time, Trisha. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. Have a good one. For a lot of people who prefer to exercise in groups, these are hard times. With the need to socially distance firmly in place, group gatherings to work out with friends or do yoga in a studio or even go on bike rides is out of the question. Most gyms have closed. That's forced a lot of people to become a lot more creative to get their burn on. Now a conversation about how that's happening. With us, Cassandra Coffey is the organizer of the local chapter of Girl Trek. That's a group that promotes walking and bills itself as the largest public health nonprofit for African-American women in the country. Cassandra, nice to have you. Thank you for having me this morning. Also here is Jay Ashman. Uh, He's the co-founder of Kansas City Barbell. Jay, nice to have you too. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks a lot. And for our listeners, we're looking for your creative ideas for how to stay in shape during a pandemic. A lot of us haven't been here before. You can call us 816-235-2888 or tweet us at KCUR up to date. Cassandra, tell us about Girl Trek. What, what is it? Girl Trek is, as you stated, the largest um, nonprofit uh, health of movement for African-American women. Um, we are nationwide. We are all, in all 50 states and in two, and also in Africa, we are starting to branch out um, uh, worldwide. And what do you um, do? And we, we walk, um, <laughs> as you know, yeah. um, 30 minutes a day, five days out the week will um, help hinder some of the uh the um, health disparities that uh, have African-American women, high high blood pressure, diabetes, um, just a basic walk will um, kind of tamp all that down. And it goes without saying that African-American women have are hugely at risk for health health problems, right? That is correct. How, how big do these walking and, groups get, at least before the pandemic? Before the pandemic, um, nationwide, you could have anywhere from 50 to 60 women show up on what's called our Superhero Saturdays. Hmm. Um, and you're just walking and, and it's more of a, a sisterhood. You know, you walk, you conversate, you talk about your problems and all that while exercising because community is very important for a uh, girl track. But you're not walking now, right? So what's plan B here? Plan B is right now, um, Girl Track is make, taking the most revolutionary step to protect our neighbors and our sisters, and we are moving the walk inside. So every everybody is different, but we are following the CDC and the World Health Organization, and we are going to move it inside via you get a thirty minutes meditation, break out your um, your exercise tapes. Whatever it is, you know, but we are keeping it inside because of the severity of this coronavirus. Are you doing some things uh, online to sort of connect people that way? 
Um, we are. We are um, for here in Kansas City. We kind of do um, kind of Facebook live chats with ah. each other. I'm trying to keep everybody motivated. Um, but again, it's very important that we protect everybody's health and stay safe and, and only go outside if, you know, for your mental health, just to get some fresh air and sunshine. But we are closely following all government, uh, local government rules. So. so is Plan B working, Cassandra? Are people connecting and still staying active? Yes, we are. We are staying very active. Um, you could go to... Um, to a girltrack.org or the Facebook page, Healthy Black Women and Girls. Um, and you can see videos of people being very creative, as you see on TV every day. <laughs> we are staying very connected. Well, good for you. Again, we're talking about creative ways to get a burn on during this pandemic. It's something a lot of us haven't been through before. If you have a good thought, a good idea, this is a good time to call 816-235-2888. You can also tweet us at KCUR up to date. Let's bring Jay Ashman in here. He's again, the co-owner of Kansas City Barbell. That's a powerlifting, weightlifting mecca, right, Jay? Uh, Yes, it is. Where are you located? We are located in a crossroads of Kansas City, 1714 Home Street. It's uh, right off of uh, 18th Street on Home Street. But I'm guessing the gym is... We're actually moving our... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we are closed right now, unfortunately. I'm sorry. We're moving about a mile up the road right to Union Hill area. Okay. So it's pretty much in the same general area, but it'll be a bigger building. So we're a downtown gym, essentially. But the gym is closed now, as you just said. So what are you doing? Well, what we have done is our members are all over the metro area, anywhere from Overland Park to Platte City. You know, we got a few in Lawrence, believe it or not. We have a very specialized service that we do that most gyms don't. So what I have done and what my partner, Sean, has done is provided value to members away from the gym. Like I send out daily emails and then I've taken on more of a life coaching vibe because a lot of people are stressed out right now over this situation. So I'm talking about gratitude, gratefulness, you know, how to be productive at home, how to manage your time with working from home. You know, Sean has taken videos of doing backpack workouts, like taking a backpack, putting some, putting some weight and have some weighted books and doing kettlebell swings, squats, overhead presses. You know, I put out a very large body weight program that most of the gym is doing right now at home. And I have a couple hundred people online who are doing it as well. So obviously body weight training is not the same as a barbell. Mm -hmm. However, you're still moving your body. You're still doing something productive. You're getting those positive endorphins up. And our community, we have a little Facebook group that all the members of the gym are in that we share recipes. We talk, we encourage each other. And in fact, I just got an email today, actually a couple of minutes ago, we have one of our one of our kids, who's a 16-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. His dad is a fire chief for the Kansas City, Kansas Fire Department. Right. And uh, he just sent us an email. He said, you know, I'm really proud of the community that we're in. You know, you guys do a really good job of keeping everything together. So we have people, we have what we, what we focus on, the same thing Cassandra focused on is the community. Right. You know, and, and your point, Jay, a, your point is that you can't assume that your members have weightlifting equipment at home. So you have to no. sort of be creative and work around that, right? Exactly. Because, I mean, 
come into the gym, you have barbells and plates and dumbbells. A lot of people don't have that luxury at home. Right. And a lot of times, even if they had a home gym, they'll want to get there. They want to get out and do something, which is why gyms are often called a third home. Yeah. You know, you work as your second home. Your home is your first home. Your third home is going to be the place that you spend your leisure time at. And for many of our people, that's going to be the gym. Right. So having a having an exercise equipment in your home often makes it easy to not do it. Yeah. So for them, for us, we're trying to say, okay, you're stuck home now for a while. Of course, you can go out food shopping, but it ain't the same. And what can we do to help keep you active? That way, when the gym reopens, you know, we're coming back into full force. Right. And you barely missed a beat. And we're helping the people, you know, do what you got to do to stay in shape and get stronger. Let me go to some phone calls here. 816-235-2888. How to stay fit during this pandemic when you can't go outside, you have to socially distance. It's harder than it's ever been before. 816-235-2888. We're looking for your creative ideas. David from Kansas City, Missouri. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. How, what are you doing, David? We, uh, well, we take... Um classes online for yoga ah and uh at uh innerspacekc.com they're how, great how's and, that uh, working for you it's wonderful we just uh get on there and there's a sliding scale you have to pay but it's uh not very expensive at all as low as five dollars i think per session hmm. and uh yeah it's 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 the all, of course all of the uh yoga studios have closed down so right but They've adapted everything to <clears throat> so that you don't have to have any equipment at home. How hard? How much harder is it for you to stay motivated to work out at home, David, as opposed to uh, having the opportunity to, to go to the class itself? Oh yeah, it's been quite a change because it's just disrupted all of the, you know, every every aspect of life. So mm -hmm. we've been, but I, I think we're getting into a new flow right now. So it's been, what, two and a half weeks? Right. I think that's been enough time to find a new a new pattern. And so now we're coming back into it and doing fine, I think. And give us the name of that site one more time, would you please? Innerspacekc.com. Okay. I'm glad you called. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. Mary from Overland Park. Mary, you're on up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. It's nice to have you. Hey, thank you. Go ahead, Mary. Oh, well, for me, um, Garmin actually recently announced a 10K a day, so 10,000 steps a day, step challenge. Uh, that's been a really great way for me to you know, connect with the fitness community and still be getting my steps in when it's hard. I was going to say, how hard is it for you to get 10,000 steps in in a day? Well, today it's going to be hard because I'm probably going to be doing them around my house because of the <laughs> weather, but the past couple of days it's been relatively easy. If you're stuck in the house, what do you do to get your 10,000 steps? I mean, I'm lucky I have a treadmill, so I'll get on there. But otherwise, walking around your kitchen table, your living room, and just being able to track it on your Garmin watch and all that makes it fun and easy. That sounds good. I'm glad you called, Mary. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Let's go to James from Kansas City, Missouri. James, you're on up to date. Nice to have you. Thanks a lot, Steve. Um... You know, so, you know, I work out at home. I normally work out at the gym. But, you know, this uh, time off has really given me an opportunity to sort of work on the things that I don't normally work on. You know, I, I like most people, work on the glamour muscles, you know, the front, the stuff that you can see. Right. 
But, you know, with uh, not having that option, you know, I've really had to sort of tear my workouts down and basically just use a resistance band. Hmm. So, you know, because you've uh, had to pare it down, it's really helped me, you know, focus on the back and things that you can't see and really help help you work out the stuff. You know, everybody says, oh, I'll stretch later, I'll stretch later. But, you know, now you've got nothing but time, you've got nothing but opportunity. This is really a great time for people to work on the stuff that they wouldn't normally work on. So, you know, take a resistance band and do band pull-aparts. And, you know, all you really need is a res- one resistance band and a stationary object, and you can get a great workout in. You know, and also... Is it just as satisfying, that kind of workout, James, than one you'd get in the gym? How, how do you... No, it, it is not satisfying at all. And you have to it's just it. adjust to that, right? <laughs> right. You just Well, you know, here's the thing I always tell people. You know, so when you first started working out, how much did you enjoy it? Mm-hmm. You probably didn't, you know, you, uh, it probably stunk and you probably were sore and you didn't like it. And you thought, you know, oh, this is such a drudge, but you know, for the people that stuck with it, you know, you did it for more than 30 days right? and you're still doing it. Chances are you started enjoying it. Right. Yeah. And so this is just, you know, it's another one of those life, you know, life experiences where you just kind of have to do it. And especially if you're having pain, you know, how many people every day have low back pain, shoulder pain you know, midsection pain, all these different, you know, elbow pain, you know, take this opportunity that what you have to, you know, work on stretching, work on those smaller muscles, work on the stabilization muscles. James, I'm glad you called. I appreciate your thoughts here. And Cassandra, I'm just wondering about how you manage to uh, stay motivated in tough times like this. What do you, what do you, how are you dealing with that yourself? And how, how are your members dealing with that? Well, again, the thing about it is, sisterhood and so if if you stay in contact with your sisters and and just encourage everyone you know it it, it it's hard but it's easy you know it's all about community as I was saying and as long as we stay connected we'll be fine Jay I'm wondering how you deal with that this notion of uh, the challenge of working out virtually because a lot of people are going to struggle to muster up the motivation to do it in a different way to work out in a different way than what they're used to. Well, we do like I said earlier, we I've got them emails to all of our members and clients and we also have a Facebook page Kansas City Barbell that we put out free content pretty much every day with these workouts and we do Facebook live chats and we just talk about things you can do at home. Like I said, with Sean posting the backpack workout videos, you know, us posting demonstrations you can do with body weight stuff, you know, resistance band workouts, like your previous caller said, we have a gym full of those. And we, we actually loaned out equipment to our members that take home and say, Hey, if you want a pair of dumbbells, pick them up, take them home and you can do stuff at home with them. Mm -hmm. So all of it is just constant engagement with our membership and client base and constant communication. That's what it really comes down to is making sure that they're taken care of and that they find value. Like the free content on our page, you know, the membership, the equipment loans, the emails, the videos, the Facebook lives, Instagram lives. You know, it's just really all about stepping outside the box because we're not face-to-face. So the best thing you can do, not being face-to-face, is to be virtually face-to-face as much as you can. Cassandra Coffey, you mentioned earlier in our conversation about these uh, healthcare struggles that many African American women struggle with. To what extent are, yeah. are, are are people aware that that's a, a big issue in in their community, and they know they've got to confront it now? 
Well, um, as history shows um, from way back from the blueprint from our grandmothers, uh, black women have always had the disparity of um, lack of health care and always you know, burdened with taking care of everyone else besides for themselves. Mm -hmm. So again, I mean, the health, um, just diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease is um, something that is scientifically known that black women have a higher risk of these things. So again, as in Girl Track, we are inspired through the history that is left behind um, because I can speak personally for myself. My grandmother died at 54 so I'm like, wow, um, I thank God that I beat that age and that I know that with finding Girl Track, um, just getting out and walking and forming a sisterhood with other Black women and to share this story, um, it is just amazing. And again, if anybody wants to find out about Girl Track, um, uh, girltrack.org is our uh, website. Um, and we have a Facebook page, Healthy Black Women and Girls. Um, and then we have also the Kansas City page, which is Girl Track Kansas City. So, again, it's, it's just something that is well known right. that as Girl Track being the largest um, health organi- uh, healthy movement for black women. We are trying to stop that disparity, even in this hardest time. Right. Again, we are moving in the house. We are walking around, um, staying uh, in contact with Facebook, Facebook Live. Um, it's just we usually have such great um, outdoor walking activities. Um, uh, we have like if you walk 20 walks in 30 days, you right. earn goat shoelaces and things like that. However, like since this is a national movement, we have women in New York and in New Orleans and everything, and they are on mandatory uh, shutdown. So we have to move this revolution inside and make it happen. Gotcha. Jay Ashman, how can people connect with Kansas City Barbell? Well, I got to say one thing. I just followed Girl Trek right now on Facebook. You guys are doing pretty <laughs> awesome work. I never heard I never heard of you until today. And uh, uh-huh. I look at that. I'm like, that's pretty, no, I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a power lifter kind of guy and, I mean, I'm not really much. I mean, I do my cardio. But How can walking. people connect with you, Jay? Yeah, it's Kansas City Barbell on Facebook. That sounds good. Okay. And, uh, I want to thank Jay Ashman, co-owner of Kansas City Barbell, Cassandra Coffee, the organizer of a local chapter of Girl Trek. Keep moving, guys. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. After a short break, when we come back, we'll talk about the challenges that college students are facing during this global pandemic. I'm Steve Kraske, and you're listening to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. And we're back. I am Steve Kraske. You know, one group of people who have seen their lives upended by all the chaos surrounding the coronavirus is college students. Classes have moved online, dorms have been closed, jobs lost, and some students have been forced to move back home with their parents, God forbid. Now we'll take a closer look uh, at several college students who have seen their lives take unexpected turns. We'll begin with Brandon Henderson. He's the recently elected Student Government Association president at UMK Brandon, good morning to you. Good morning, Mr. Crassie. It's good to chat with you. How much uncertainty is there these days with students at UMKC, Brandon? What are you seeing? Um, there's a lot of uncertainty right now um, over a lot of different things, right? So 
to start, um, there were a lot of students working on campus who did not know that they would be out of a job um, a couple weeks ago when the university decided to shift to online only um, teaching and mm -hmm. they, they enforced that change for their faculty as well. So you have a lot of students who are out of jobs right now. A lot of students are wondering, you know, is the university going to adopt a pass fail model of classes? You know, are they going to make any changes there? Um, they have not yet announced anything there yet. They're supposed to do that later today, I think. Hmm. But overall, students don't really know what's going on. And I think that contributes to a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety on their part. You know, Brandon, how about students who've been living in the dorms? They didn't get much notice about having to move out pretty suddenly. What happened there? Yeah, so for a long time, the um, UMKC administration made it sound as if students would be allowed to continue living in the dorms. Um, and then about a day after they, they kind of made that announcement, uh, we got a conflicting message from the University of Missouri system that um, had a different tone uh, that was more along the lines of, you have to move out now. Um, and the university gave people about maybe two to three days to appeal that decision. Um, so that also contributes to a lot of stress on mm -hmm. um, on students. Are, are students going to get refunds for, for things like, I'm thinking, dorm fees and parking that they won't wind up using this semester? Yeah, the university has plans to, to refund people for their housing contracts and for um, the parking fee. Um, but something that a lot of people have asked is, you know, when they made the decision to go to UMKC, they, they weren't signing up to go to an online school. They were signing up to go to an in-person four-year institution. Mm -hmm. And so now a lot of people uh, feel kind of trapped, you know, and a lot of people, you know, want to know why they have to still pay the full tuition to go to an online school. And while there's a lot of complicated um, background work, you know, when it comes to, like paying faculty and staff who are, are still working here. Um, I think it's a fair question for students to be asking. But I was going to say it's online now all over the country. No one's doing in-person classes anymore. That's correct. Yeah. And I want to give a big shout out to our faculty on campus because um, just as students did not plan to go to an online university, I'm sure the majority of faculty did not plan to be teaching at an online university. And so I think a lot of them have been really flexible with making that transition for their students. But at the end of the day, um, it's still an incredible burden for both faculty and students to, to make this shift in the middle of semester. How is it, uh, what's the difference between in-person classes and online classes through uh, an app like, like Zoom, Brandon? What's how, how well is that working out for students and how big of a change is it? Um, I think it's a pretty significant change. Uh, now that we've been doing it for a little bit, uh, we're kind of past the learning curve, I think, for the most part. Um, I think the biggest issue right now is the differences in access to some of those technological resources, right? So a lot of students depended on the on-campus Wi-Fi and computers in order to to do some of their coursework, right? Mm -hmm. Those options don't really exist anymore. And so while some students who are mo more technologically proficient have been able to, to handle the switch, there are people getting left behind. And another thing you have to consider is just the, um, the presence of like glitches and like um, websites being down and whatnot. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenging situation. 
I wanted to ask you about one of uh, your other big concerns is the impact this virus is going to have on funding for higher education in Missouri. Governor Mike Parsons said the other day that he was cutting higher ed by 8% or more than $60 million. What impact do you see that having? Well, I think there's there's a short-term impact and a long-term impact. So short-term, the university is not going to be able to do a lot of maintenance projects that they, they were originally doing. And that's not just UMKC. That's across the University of Missouri system, right? Long-term, you have to talk about what's going to happen in the higher education funding in the future, right? And I want to be really clear here. This was not inevitable. The reason that we are in this situation and the reason that we have to cut all this funding for higher education is because of the majority party's mismanagement of our state's budget for the past decade, right? Mm -hmm. So we are now in a situation where there is no other option but to cut funding for higher education in order to balance our state's budget. We didn't have to be here, but it's where we are. And so I think a, a really important question is, once we are deciding next year's state budget, how are we doing that in a way that doesn't hurt students and doesn't raise their tuition. Mm -hmm. Just a final point here. You mentioned this question that might get resolved today about how the grading system might change. The question is whether to go to a pass-fail system as opposed to the conventional A, B, C, D, and F uh, scale that there is in place now. I think Mizzou has already made something of a switch here. What should What should happen here? Yeah, so uh, there are a lot of different schools of thoughts regarding this, uh, this question, right? right. Uh, one thing I want to point out is I think it would be helpful if the university asked students themselves what they would like to see happen here. What would they say, uh, that Brandon? Way. Um, I don't want to um, speak for all 16,000 students on campus. From what I've been hearing, though, I think most students would be in favor of uh, adopting some sort of pass-fail option with the option to still try for a letter grade right so mm -hmm. at the end of the school year um once you have all your final grades you can decide for yourself if you would like to either take a pass or fail or if you'd like to be graded on the letter grade system um i think that's what i've been hearing a lot from students um right but again i think it would have been helpful to ask them before doing something like this that's Brandon Henderson. He's the recently elected Student Government Association president at UMKC. He won his election by one vote, right, Brandon? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. So it's if, landslide. If listening out there, landslide. Yeah, Brandon Henderson. Please, please <laughs> make sure to vote in this next election in 2020 because every vote counts. As you as you know uh, very well. Thanks so much, Brandon. <laughs> Appreciate it very much. Thanks. It was good chatting with you. Now joining us is Jackson Martin. He's a second-year student studying international economics and trade at Northwestern Polytechnical University in China. Jackson, it's nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good to be here. But you're still, just to clarify, you're still in the Kansas City area, right? That's right, Steve. I had originally come back to spend my uh, winter holiday back here with my family, um, and that was prior to, you know, all the shutdowns on international travel and everything like that. So I've actually been uh, stranded in the Kansas City area. And that means you've been studying and, and taking classes online uh, in China, from China. How's that going? That's right. Yeah, we began our semester on time the last week of February. 
and all classes have been online. And the most difficult thing about it is the time difference. <laughs> I can't uh, so yeah. all of our, yeah, all of our uh, China is 13 hours in the future uh, from American Central Time, and our professors are still giving live online lectures, and we have been expected to attend live. Um, so the hardest part has been, you know, obviously having classes at night or uh, very late or early morning. Even two or three or four o'clock in the morning, right? That's what we're talking about here. Right. Yeah. So are you are you doing that? Are you waking up in the middle of the night to go to class? So um, it some students are. I've spoken with some of my fellow international students who are over there. Um, you know, I have some classmates who are in Ukraine or Russia, and some of them are being expected to, no matter what time it is, um, wake up and attend class. Uh, but I've been able to speak with a few of my professors on an individual basis and pretty much work out uh, kind of a self-study plan. Huh, huh. You've said that the attitude, at least among some of your professors, is uh, sort of uh, no nonsense. Hey, do you want an education or do you not? That there's a maybe a different attitude in China than there is in this country. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really true and. You know, I'm very, um, I'm very glad that uh, universities here are giving students the option to do a pass fail uh, for their for their classes. I don't see the same thing happening in the Chinese system. Hmm. It's really kind of you know, everyone is everyone is equal. You know, you can cry that it's unfair, but. <laughs> at the yeah. end of the day, everybody's got the same shot, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Everybody's just taking it day by day. Well, people might wonder, why did you want to study in China to begin with, Jackson? So a big part for me, um, the biggest part is I got a full scholarship to uh, study for four years at mm. Northwestern Polytechnical University in Xi'an, China, mm -hmm. which is the sister city of Kansas City. Huh. And um, I initially went there through Johnson County Community College. They have a great study abroad program to study the Chinese language. And that was my first time being exposed to China. And I went over there and I ended up staying two whole years before I began studying my major. And I just fell in love with the city, the language, the culture, wow, um, everything about it, and decided to look into options that would allow me to stay there uh, longer. Well, I can't help but wonder how this pandemic is going to wind up affecting your plans. Are Are you going to stick it out in China, or is this going to force you to, to reevaluate here? You know, it's really, yeah, it's really tough. It is, I have been doing a lot of thinking. Um, just recently, just at the end of last week, China actually closed its borders to um, foreigners, including mm -hmm. myself and some of my fellow international students who had returned home for the winter holiday. Um, and so nobody knows how long that policy is going to last. Um, so it's, it's, it's really time for me to do some thinking and 
you know, ask the question, is this, is this worth it to hmm. continue a degree literally halfway around the world from a, from a laptop here in Kansas City? Well, that's Jackson Martin. He's a second-year student studying international economics and trade at Northwestern Polytechnical University in Xi'an, China. Jackson, thanks for your time. Good luck in making a big decision here before too long. Thank you so much. If you're just joining us, you're listening to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. We're talking about uh, with college students about how the pandemic is affecting their lives. We want to hear from college students out there. How are you doing with finishing this semester? What challenges have cropped up? 816-235-2888 is our number. Or tweet us at KCUR up to date. Joining us now is Marin Ansari. He's a sophomore political science major at UMKC. Marin, nice to have you. Are you there, Marin? Yes. Yes. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. You were living in the dorms, but you're not now, and I'm wondering what happened to you. Yeah. So, um, essentially, on March 19th, I was asked, along with the rest of the people who lived on campus, by our chancellor to vacate our dorms, even though on March 18th, we were told we'd be able to stay. Hmm. We had one day to file an extension, and we were told that we would be notified whether we'd be granted the extension by March uh, 21st. Uh, I didn't file for an extension because I live about 30 minutes away from campus, so I thought it'd be fine moving out. But from the friends who I heard who did file the extension, they didn't hear back by the date that they said they would. You have a friend who's an international student from Singapore, I'm told, who was living in the dorms. What happened to her? So she filed for an extension. She was granted the extension, and um, she has she lives at the apartments on campus, but they have moved all the students out of the apartments on campus and into the uh, Johnson Hall residence hall. Mm-hmm. So she's currently staying at the dorms instead of the apartments. So she's had to pack up and actually move across campus then, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. And you're back home living with your parents now, is that right? Yes. How's that going? (laughs) It has been an adjustment, for sure. (laughs) It's it's very different. What's the hardest thing about it? Um. So the neighborhood that I live in has a lot of like high school and middle school students. And so ever so occasionally, the Wi-Fi that I'm on, and I'm sure lots of people also are on the same provider, gets overloaded. So I will actually get kicked out of like Zoom classes and stuff like that. So it's like struggling to get an education, but it's like doing the best I can with what I have. And like I can't really be upset because like there's other students who are living in the same area, who are going through the same thing, who I'm sure are also being kicked out of their Zoom classes. And what's the most stressful thing about living with mom and dad again? (laughs) The lack of privacy, I guess. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Yeah. There have been a lot of times when I'm, like, in class and, like, I have my door closed and, like, my parents will just, like, bust in and I'm like, guys, I'm I'm in the middle of a lecture. Can you please leave? (laughs) Well, so it's a pretty stressful time, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, that's Marin Ansari, a sophomore poli-sci major at UMKC. Hey, thanks for your time, Marin. I sure appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
And now joining us is Arielle Vonderheide, who's just wrapping up her fourth semester at Johnson County Community College. Uh, Arielle, nice, nice to have you. You there? Yes. Hi. Good morning. Nice to have you. Yeah. Um, you're about to wrap up your time at Johnson County Community College, but there's no commencement ceremony. How do you feel about that? Uh, I am very, very sad because that was like one of the last things I was waiting for just to finish up my time and, you know, to really celebrate, you know, what I had accomplished. And it's not going to happen now. So what are you going to do? Uh, Maybe a small celebration at my house, but other than that, probably nothing. That's that's kind of a downer. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, unfortunately. What's going to happen uh, to you next year? Uh, so I'm planning on transferring to uh, University of Pitt State in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if they have um, classes in the fall. And you're not sure about that as we sit here and talk today, right? No, during, due to the current circumstances, I'm not sure whatever is going to happen just because I don't know how long the coronavirus outbreak is going to be. Yeah. How is going to school online working out for you? For me, it's it's been really – it has worked for me. All my classes have um, transferred easily online, and it's just – it's a lot of – you know, self-motivation to get my, my work done. Tell me about that. How much, how hard is that for you? Um, I am a person by nature who does procrastinate a bit, unfortunately. <laughs> I feel like everybody does. Um, but it's just been a lot of like self-regulating, like having a planner and just making sure that I get everything done on time. I wanted to ask you about your classes because you had one class that was focused around an upcoming trip to South Dakota, but I'm told that's mm-hmm. off now. So tell me about that class and then what's what's happening there if you can't make your big trip? So um, the class was supposed to go to South Dakota, as you said, and this whole trip was, the whole class has been around um, learning about the biodiversity of this region in South Dakota mm. and like learning how to field journal. But, you know, as you said, we unfortunately can't go on the trip anymore. So um, the professor has almost, she's done the best she can. She's struggling a little bit to, you know, figure out basically what type of Mm-hmm. What to do in its place, you're saying, right? You broke up a little bit there. Well, I think we lost uh, Arielle Vanderheide, uh, who's just wrapping up her fourth semester at Johnson County Community College. We thank her for her time. And finally today, as we approach another weekend, it's hard to ignore that Fridays feel a little different these days. There aren't formal happy hours or tailgates to look forward to. One thing we've learned uh, since starting social distancing, though, is that the Internet is a great tool for bringing people together. These days, you can still share a beer with a friend or even a stranger. It just might take a different form than it used to. Liz Cook is on the line with us now. Uh, She's a critic and writer at The Pitch. Liz, it's nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. 
No, you wrote a piece for the pitch recently about a Facebook group that was started by a Liberty resident, Liz. The group is called Quarantined Beer Chugs. And even though it was only started two weeks ago, it's quickly gone far beyond the Kansas City area. And it now has almost 300,000 members. Tell us about this. What's the big deal here? Is the point of this group exactly what it sounds like? I mean, in some respects, yeah, it does what it says on the tin. So uh, this group was created by Andrew Biley, who is a Liberty native, and he started it just as like a goofy way to stay connected with friends through social distancing. So when he started it, and this was on like March 20th, he invited 15 friends, and then four days later, it had 150,000 people. And now today, as you noted, it's all the way up to 300. So it started mostly with people sharing videos of them chugging beers. But I think uh, some heroic people have chugged pints of cream soda. There are people doing shots of water. I think the point is less uh, substance abuse now than a kind of free-spirited party-down <laughs> sensibility that's uh, in short supply. So, Liz, have you had a chance to analyze exactly why this website has gained so much traction so quickly? Well, I think people are really looking to stay connected right now, and I think it can be hard to get away from just kind of the low-grade stress and anxiety of all of this kind of constant coronavirus news. And when you're cooped up in your home, it's hard to get away from that. So I think this has been just like pure escapism and this kind of like weird, boundless, golden retriever positivity (laughs) that people are really trying to reconnect with. But beer chugging, Liz, I mean, really? Hey, we've all got to blow off some steam right now, Steve. <laughs> Kansas City really needs a beer. Um, you know, again, this group is blowing up to the point where it's probably not even under the original moderator's control anymore. I'm wondering, as we go into another weekend of social distancing here, what kind of lessons can we take away from the creator's original intent here? What, what do you think? Well, I think we've got to look for ways to stay connected with one another that are a little bit out of order, um, a little bit off the beaten path. And I think also we have to try and find ways to reconnect with that really silly, uh, unbridled goofiness. Uh, I think we all need a little bit of a sense of humor more than ever right now. And that's definitely what this group is doing. It's kind of goofy. It's kind of dopey. It's a little wild but it's going to get you out of your own head for a little while. And what do you see when you go online and watch this group? Like, what are some people doing? What what stood out to you? Um, there's a lot of people uh, showing off their pets. There's, I mean, it's a giant group, so <laughs> moderation can be difficult. So I, I, you know, I think people should, it's like a buyer beware kind of thing. So you'll, you'll get some interesting comments and some unusual videos, but there's people that are, chugging beer to goofy songs they're you know dunking chicken wings they're, they're doing all kinds of creative creative really wild uh, videos as they as the group rolls on and you mentioned some folks chug cream soda and some folks even chug water right liz right yeah and so they'll, they'll pronounce uh, hydration days every now and then the group moderators to keep people in the game and it's so it's not all about drinking it's more about just kind of uh participating mm-hmm. in this very strange shared activity online. So has this become your your sort of task now to hunt down these types of stories in the weeks to come? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there are so many great news organizations that are keeping us really informed and up to date on all of the very critical and important coverage. Um, But I also think we need to make room for the lighter side of things and uh, give people something to laugh about and smile about and remember that 
you know, we're, we're all going to be able to come together again at the end of this. Well, we're trying to do that, too, and we want to know what's helping you through these tough times. You know, whether it's a random act of kindness or a personal personal ritual, let us know. You can leave a voicemail at 816-398-8207 with your brief story, your name, and where you live. You can also email a voice memo to uh, KCUR producer Mackenzie Martin at mackenzie at kcur.org, and we'll put that contact information on the up-to-date page. Liz Cook is a critic and writer at the we sure appreciate your time, Liz. Have a good weekend. You too, Steve. Thanks. And we'll talk to everybody again on Monday. You've been listening to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. Stay safe, everybody. I'm Steve Kraske.